step right up and gather around. Tall folks, kindly at the back, please. I am Professor Gruntsplatter, and I'm the curator of this here spookatorium. Through these doors are wonders and horrors, maybe even a laugh or two. From the dark corners on every street today, all back through recorded time. We hear music and tales of the unknown, mysterious, and perhaps even diabolical. That's right, folks. There are strange things beyond this threshold. But if you weren't curious, you wouldn't be here. So, will you take a chance and come on in? Or will you saddle up to the concession stand and always wonder what you may have missed? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. There will be no refunds once you enter. Thank you for your attention, and the brave ones, come with me.
Yeah.
Welcome to episode 26 of Professor Grunsplatter's Spookatorium. I'm your host, Professor Grunsplatter. This is, uh, I guess, what is now the third Halloween episode I've done. Uh, I realize it's been some time since the last show, and I appreciate the patience and interest of those of you that have stuck with the show. Uh, I took a vacation, I've been working on some other things, and uh, have been following far more politics than is probably good for me. Uh, I'm not going to make predictions anymore about being able to keep the schedule that I'd like to, but the show's not going anywhere. So if you subscribe to the podcast, more will come, even if uh, there seems to be a drought. And if you don't subscribe currently, it may be the best way to keep track of what's up, uh, that and checking the website. Let's see. Uh, I'd written up a big piece uh, about the whole Georgia Bigfoot hoax fallout, um, but honestly, at this point, it seems silly to drudge that back up. Uh, For those that somehow didn't hear or didn't read the fallout on the site, uh, the Bigfoot corpse was admitted to be a rubber suit, and the last that I saw, the freezer and the costume were up on eBay. Uh, Presumably they're trying to make some money to get themselves out of the hot water that they're in, Uh, and I'll just leave it there. Uh, Opening up the show today was a track called Edge of Darkness from Pessary. Following that was Unhuman Drama from Deceased. And the last track you heard was Spirits of the Dead from Gothica. We find ourselves in the Spookatorium Portraiture Gallery, home to all manner of askew personality and the eccentric characters of history. Listen close as we delve into their stories. Eric Weiss died on October 31st, 1926, Halloween. Uh, He died of complications from a ruptured appendix, uh, a rupture that was believed to have occurred when a fan of his, impressed by his strength, punched him in the stomach without giving him proper warning. Eric Weiss was Harry Houdini's birth name. Uh, Houdini carried on with that show in Montreal. Uh, It ended up being his last despite the uh, the growing pain that he was in. Uh, he took a train back to Detroit and got medical attention, but the internal in- injury ultimately claimed his life uh, a few days later. While I don't know nearly as much about Houdini as I would like to, uh, something that I hope to be able to remedy, uh, it's his life's dedication to study spiritualism more than his tricks, I think, that intrigues me. Houdini spent 30 years collecting everything he could find written on the subjects of spiritualism and mediums, witchcraft, demonology, psychic phenomenon, and so on. And his status as a uh, mystifier of mystifiers, as he liked to say, afforded him the opportunity to meet and sit with the celebrated mediums of the era from from all over. Yet, as he states in the introduction uh, of his book on the subject of Magician Among the Spirits, quote, In that 30 years, I have not found one incident that savored of the genuine, unquote. Uh, Houdini was a spiritual person um, who held a strong belief in the afterlife and what he called an omnipotent almighty. And he seemed to want to believe, but he knew too much to accept it on faith and never found the proof that he needed to convince his mind that itself created what was often supernatural to other people. 
Um, and in the course of his life, he established pacts with 14 of his confidants and friends uh, that whoever was to pass first would do all in their power to alert the others in some way that the ability to communicate from beyond death was real. Uh, Houdini never received any messages, and since his passing, seances have been held to give him the ritualized setting to, to make his presence known and have not yielded any results. Uh, he attended numerous spiritualist readings and seances and yet remained unmoved by the presentations. Um, I think he, his was an open-minded, educated sort of skepticism rather than a dismissive one, which I can certainly appreciate, and I'm, I'm personally looking forward to learning uh, more about this consuming research of his because um, I don't know nearly as much as I would like to. So take a moment this Halloween and remember Eric Weiss. Uh, his legend as an escape artist and a magician is only the best known part of a life dedicated to the mysteries that befuddle us.
of those unfortunate souls are buried here. Some of those unfortunate souls.
That was Banastrophe with The Churchyard. Uh, before that was uh, Nightmare Lodge with a track called The Shape, which is their take on the Halloween theme. Uh, before that, uh, a Halloween tradition, Merciful Fate, with Desecration of Souls. And opening the setup was The Protagonist with Der Vonsen. Watch your head as you enter the Spookatorium attic ghosts and goblins play, and the paranormal presses its face against the window of our world. It's considered common wisdom among those who seek to find evidence of the afterlife that strong electromagnetic fields may be indicators of the presence of spirits. Electromagnetic fields, EMFs as they're commonly called, are described as such by the World Health Organization. Quote, electric fields are created by differences in voltage. The higher the voltage, the stronger will be the resultant field. Magnetic fields are created when electric current flows. The greater the current, the stronger the magnetic field. An electric field will exist even when there is no current flowing. If current does flow, the strength of the magnetic field will vary with power consumption, but the electric field strength will be constant. Electric fields exist whenever a positive or negative electrical charge is present. They exert forces on other charges within the field. The strength of the electric field is measured in volts per meter. Any electrical wire that is charged will produce an associated electric field. This field exists even when there is no current flowing. The higher the voltage, the stronger the electric field at, the given, at a given distance from the wire. So, while I haven't read everything available on the matter, you rarely hear the justification from the paranormal community for this belief that it's an indicator of paranormal activity aside from personal anecdotes. Uh, I felt something creepy and the EMF detector was going off. Uh, some claim that the fluctuating EMF readings or high EMF spikes indicate that a spirit is present. Uh, some believe that those same readings suggest that the EMFs themselves might lead you to think a spirit is present when it's not. It's the skeptic versus the believer conundrum and it's clearly not black and white. Uh, if a high EMF reading is tracked to a real-world source, like poor electrical insulation or a cheap alarm clock, um, then it's pointed to as a legit reason for debunking a supernatural claim. And that may seem noble, but honestly, it's just as unscientific as the flip side. It assumes that you can't have a ghost in the same place that you have a crappy alarm clock. Uh, it's an assumption. However, if the same reading cannot be traced to a real-world world explanation. It's looked at as a presence of, or the possible presence of, spirit of activity. So if it's not some sputtering coffee maker messing with your brains, your house just may be haunted. This, to me, is dubious. Uh, the air all around us is full of invisible electronic transmissions, cell phones, radio, television, satellite, Wi-Fi. Those are just the common knowledge ones that, that we know about. Uh, if an electrical field exists anytime a positive or negative electrical charge is present, and even when there is no current flowing, as the World Health Organization information states, then there are very few situations in the modern world where you wouldn't be in the presence of an electric field. 
and with all of the additional information beamed all over unseen, it would seem that there may be some unpredictable interference into those electronic fields. Uh, this is from the World Health Organization again. Quote, Some members of the public have attributed a diffuse collection of symptoms to low levels of exposure to electromagnetic fields at home. Reported symptoms include headaches, anxiety, suicide, and depression, uh, nausea, fatigue, loss of libido, etc. To date, scientific evidence does not support a link between these symptoms and exposure to electromagnetic fields. Some individuals report hypersensitivity to electric or magnetic fields. They ask whether aches and pains, headaches, depression, lethargy, sleep disorders, and even convulsions and epileptic seizures could be associated with electromagnetic field exposure. There is very little scientific evidence to support the idea of electromagnetic hypersensitivity. Recent Scandinavian studies found that individuals did not show consistent reactions under properly controlled conditions of electromagnetic field exposure, nor is there any accepted biological mechanism to explain hypersensitivity to these fields, unquote. I know I referenced a small study in one of these past episodes someplace, uh, but checking my notes, I can't find anything on it. Uh, just recently, though, Scientific American magazine published an article that takes a look at the phenomenon. Christopher French, a psychologist with an interest in the paranormal at Goldsmiths University of London College in London, has studied the effect of EMFs as well as infrasound, which is a low-frequency sound wave that uh, exists beyond the level of human hearing as they relate to paranormal experiences. Uh, French and his colleagues constructed a haunted room in a London flat which they had rigged with devices to generate extreme EMFs up to 50 microteslas and infrasound stimuli in the 18.9 to 22.3 hertz range and then found 79 volunteers to spend time there. Uh, The volunteers were screened on their willingness to believe or disbelieve based on an Australian formula uh, called the sheep and goat theory. Uh, Sheep being those who would believe and goats being those who would be skeptical. Uh, Let's see, the volunteers were not aware that the room had been set up with these devices. The results, uh, French says, were inconclusive. Most people reported at least some slightly odd sensations such as a presence or feeling dizzy and some reported terror, which we hadn't expected. Uh, Terror is obviously quite an extreme reaction and we only anticipated getting reports of mildly anomalous sensations in the context of this particular experiment. Still, it says French and his colleagues could not conclude that EMFs had played a role in conjuring these uncomfortable feelings. Critics of French cite his admitted skepticism as being a discredit to his work on the subject. Um, The us-against-them mentality, to me, is is useless. French points to his research as not only being of interest to those interested in the paranormal, but also to his more traditional work in psychiatry, studying the ability of the mind to determine whether an event is real or imagined or some sort of mental creation has a genuine value, whether you're looking at mental illness or whether you're looking at the paranormal. Uh, The lines blur to different degrees for everyone, um, but finding an understanding 
to what those tipping points are is absolutely relevant. Um, there are skeptics out there who simply will not believe, and there are skeptics out there who would believe if you could prove it to them, or at least give them a reason to doubt. A skeptic should ask questions and listen to the answers, as should a believer. Both sides of the argument should stop dictating and start listening. It has been made infinitely clear that there's not enough information available on these matters for anyone to feel like they're right. And if we're honest, the skeptic is on firmer ground in this fight because evidence to the contrary is often thin and superficial, if it exists at all. Uh, it's funny, uh, so much of this stuff has fascinated me for so long. And I really don't sit down to be a killjoy <laughs> about this stuff. Um, but a colleague pointed out to me some time ago that uh, I build a show as being about spooky stuff, and then I proceed to say that most of it is suspect, if not totally bogus. Uh, but when I look at what exists as evidence, even from the perspective of someone who wants to find some meat to hang my hat on, I don't see how anyone can come to some of the commonly accepted conclusions that exist out there based on what they're drawing their information from. Um, I've said it before, I've had experiences that I can't explain, things that I might consider to be paranormal. I can't prove that they are, absolutely I can't, um, and apparently no one else is able to either. So my curiosity continues, and I'm not looking for something to believe in. I'm looking for evidence more substantial than someone's opinion and repeated unscrutinized theories. So call me a skeptic if you want, um, but I'm certainly a curious skeptic.
That was Osiko with Raging Soul. Before that, Death Spell Omega with Drink the Devil's Blood. Previous to that was Steroid Maximus with Third Movement, Crawling Goliath. And opening that setup was the Rohan Theater Band with Ghost Story. As always, uh, if you want to get in touch, the email address is professor at spookatorium.org. The website address is spookatorium.org. The Flickr group is still in existence. You can get to that through the site. Um, If you've heard your your music on the show and you don't want me to be playing your music on the show, uh, let me know and I will get rid of it. Normally, I would have a a third story here, but it's... uh, it's running late uh, on the day before Halloween, and I want to get this thing wrapped up and posted uh, before before the holiday tomorrow. So I'm going to forego the uh, the third story, unfortunately, and uh, just play some more music. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Think when a hearse drives by That someday soon you too will die They'll wrap you up in a bloody sheet And toss you down a thousand feet The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out The ants play pinochle in your snout The big black bug with big red eyes Crawls in your innards and out your sides You squish him up and spread him on bread That's what you eat when you are dead The worms crawl in, the worms crawl out In your stomach and out your mouth
one shall speak of his coming, another shall prepare his path, the last shall make way for his return. <laughs> and the last shall make way for his return.
Okay, that is going to do it for this episode 26, the Halloween episode, third annual. Um, opening that setup was The Hearse from The Accused. Uh, following that was Halloween 3 from The Bleeding Light. And the last track you heard was The Offering from Megaptera. Uh, underneath today has been Traitor of Life by Each Dawn I Die. Uh, until next time, I'm going to leave you with a classic, Bella Lugosi's Dead from Bauhaus. The bats have left the bell.